Brother Rick. Might be kind of short this morning, but hey, this is when we release our children and volunteers to Children's Church. I want to invite you guys to head back in that direction. One or fifty, it don't matter. Oh, wow. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, hey, that's all right. Hey, man, that's a, that's a shocker there. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. <clears throat> if you'll take your Bible and find Matthew chapter 5. Um, I, I'm just going to tell you, I, I was really, really struggling with where to go next. Um, uh, after Christmas, you know, we before Christmas, we were going through the Beatitudes, and my intention was to just focus on those and then to, to move forward uh, into something different. But, but man, I, I'm just going to tell you, there, there, is, there is a great need for us now to see uh, and, to, and to refocus on how are we supposed to live in relationship to our world. Um, man, it, it's not just the pandemic, it's the political unrest, it's just the, the, the craziness of our country, the craziness of our world. And it's not just here, it's, it's all over the place. Uh, so how are we as Christians supposed to live? Now, uh, when we were looking at the Beatitudes, we, we talked about how to live a life that impacts the culture uh, that, that's in the middle of all this chaos. Well, I, I think we, we kind of need to continue on because in, in the first part of chapter 5, Jesus gives the attitudes, the things that are priority for us inwardly and outwardly, that, that we've got to be broken over our sin, that we've got to understand that we are... Are, are beggars. We have nothing to offer God. There's nothing good in us at all uh, outside of Christ Jesus. And our, our righteousness is filthy rags. So we've got to come to him understanding our spiritual poverty, that we're dead in need of resurrection into life. And, and, and then we, we talked about and went through all of those beatitudes. I'm not going to re rehash all of those. But it, it it was a reminder for the followers. Jesus was talking to his disciples and then the large crowd that had gathered around. He was telling the disciples that, that this life that you've been called to is radically different than the life you ever thought or, or what life would, would ever be. The, 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 the way that we as humans see life and, and our natural sinful selves want to do in life Jesus said, I'm calling you, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing you to a life that's radically different from that. And it begins with our attitude and our priorities, but then it, our practical way of living. And so I wanted to, uh, to, to just continue on in this Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about how are we to live in such a way to impact the culture around us. And in order to impact the culture, we've got to guard against the culture impacting us. And changing us and that's that's way too often what has happened uh, in the church and, and even today uh, we are letting the culture impact us we're letting the chaos impact us and change the way we look at things change change our our heart and our attitude and and we become very anxious and we become very defensive and we become very angry and we become all of these things that Jesus says we need to put aside and all of Scripture tells us that we're to put away the things of this world. We're to put away the, the, the behaviors of this world and we're to live differently in Christ Jesus. We were saved to be radically different. And he gives us the Holy Spirit so we can be empowered to live radically different. We don't have to live like lost people. 
but too often we choose to live like lost people. And, and, and so I wanted us to look at this, and I want us to continue this thought as how do we live a life that impacts the culture? How do we, how do we deal with, how do we approach, how do we handle the, the things that are going on, the chaos that's happening in our culture, that's happening in our country, that's happening in our world today? How can we make a difference for the kingdom of God when, when it really seems like the world is getting more and more hostile towards the word of God? So we're going to pick up in chapter 5, verse 13, and we're going to read down through 16 because this is a reminder. Jesus says you're called to be different, all right? And so if you would stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word, we'll pick up in Matthew 5, verse 13. Remember, he's talking to the disciples. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on the lampstand, and it gives light to the, all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that you may... That they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word today. That God, all of your children that are under the sound of my voice in this place, on Facebook, wherever they are. God, I pray that we would encounter you today in such a way. That your Holy Spirit would transform our hearts and minds. That we would be reminded of the calling that we have in this life. The purpose of our salvation. Not just to get to go to heaven, but God, to impact our culture. And how do we do that? So Lord, help us to, to refocus. Help us to rediscover the purpose of our salvation. And God, let us be diligent. Let us be uh, single-minded in accomplishing what you died and rose again for us to accomplish, what your salvation enables us to do. God, it, it's so easy to get caught up in the things of this world. It's so easy to get frustrated. It's so easy to be anxious and worried because of all the craziness that's going on in the world. God, it, it's so easy to, uh, to, to develop anxiety over the future that's so unknown and, and such a, a mess seems to be right now. God, your Holy Spirit that dwells in your children beckons us back to the peace that goes beyond understanding. Beckons us back to faithfulness to you and faith in you. It reminds us that you are on the throne and you are sovereign over everything. And God, your will will be done. And so God, let us, let us live a life counts for the kingdom. Help us today to see how to do that. Be reminded of the practical things that we can do to let our light shine, to be the salt of the earth that we're saved to be. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, these are our passages, these are verses that you've all heard and you all know. We know that we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. That, that's, that, that's, that's something that, that, that we learn in 
uh, Sunday school as children, and we were reminded of that all throughout. We, you've probably heard a thousand sermons preached on this Sermon on the Mount. But today I want us to look at some things and just kind of dig apart and, and break apart these verses and, and hopefully let the Holy Spirit remind us and, and, and just build us up again in Christ Jesus. Notice what he says in verses 13 and 14 when he talks about us being salt and light. He says, you are. Not something that you have to develop into. Once you're saved, you are salt and light. You are saved to be salt. You are saved to be light. You are saved to, be, to make a difference in this world. You're not saved to just be average and ordinary. You're not saved to just make it till you uh, get to heaven. You're not saved just that, so that when you die, you don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven. You are saved for the purpose of being salt and light to make a difference in this world. He says you are. It's a state of being. You are salt and you are light. Now, he reminds them then that this is who you are. This is the reality of your existence. This is the reality of your salvation. This is the reality of your purpose. But it's very easy to get derailed. He says, you are salt of the earth. But if salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salt again? Now, does salt ever not become salt? Salt is always salt. But how does salt become tasteless? How does salt become useless? It becomes contaminated and watered down. It, 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 becomes, it becomes overwhelmed by the things that it's around. And, and it becomes tasteless. You can't tell the salt is there anymore. It becomes useless because it's contaminated with the things that are in the environment around us. So Jesus says to the disciples, you are the salt of the earth. But you've got to be careful because you can become tasteless. You can become so ineffective, so... Um, so filled with the things of this world, so overwhelmed and overcome by the stresses and the, 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 the culture that you live in, the, the, the pressures of this life, the, 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 the hurts and the brokenness of this world, you can be so watered down, you can be so contaminated by the things of this world that you are useless to your calling. You're not even recognizable as a follower of Jesus anymore. You look just like the world. You, you act just like the world. You respond just like the world. Your goals, your desires, your purposes are all just like the world. It's not that, that that's who you are anymore. It's just that you've been contaminated by the things of the culture in which you live. And church, that's our struggle today. It's not that we're not saved. You can't lose your salvation. But what has happened to so many of us, and it's the same struggle for your pastor as it is for you. We let the things of our culture, the worries and the stresses of this world, the, the craziness and the stupidity of the politics that are going on, the, the, the hatred and the, the, the uh, cultural um, bias towards Christians and towards the Word of God. We get so concerned with those things that we lose focus on why we've been saved. We've been saved to be radically different. 
Now, if everybody was salt, what difference would the church make? See, the salt, the, the, the being of who we are happens when we're saved. We're saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our heart and our minds are transformed. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, and we live differently. We live with a different purpose. We live with a different hope. We live with a different attitude. We live radically different from the world. My sister moved up to Michigan for eight or nine years. I can't remember exactly how long it was. But one of the things that, uh, that, that she wrote back and, and talked to us about when we talked to her on the phone is, is how different the food tastes up there. And I'm just going to tell you, I, I, I lived in South Mississippi all my life. I, 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 we spent some time in New Orleans. Um, and, and the further north you get, the more bland the food becomes. They don't use salt. They don't use much pepper. They just boil it in some water and call it cooked. And, and it, it's, it's, just, it's just bland. And, and she would cook, my sister, while she was in Michigan and, and with her friends and stuff, she would cook something and take it. And she'd, she wouldn't season it hardly at all. But just put just a little dash of Tony Sashery in it. And they thought it was just so hot and so spicy, they just could not eat it because it was so radically different from what they normally were around and the food that they normally ate. Just a little bit of spice, just a little bit of salt for us was just overwhelming for them. Well, church, that's supposed to be us as Christians. We should be so radically different. Our, our attitudes, our heart, our, our way of living, our way of thinking should be so foreign to the world that when we step into a situation, when, when we are involved in, in people's lives, they should, they should be able to immediately, wow, there's something spicy about that person. There's something different about them. This is not what I'm used to being around. This is not an attitude I'm used to experiencing. These are not words of encouragement that I'm used to hearing. This is not a, a, a person that's like anybody that I'm used to. But the problem is, most of the time, our saltiness is so contaminated, so watered down, that nobody can really tell a difference. Nobody can really tell a difference in our attitude, our approach to problems, our, our, our um, outlook for the future, because we're just as worried, we're still just as stressed out, we're just as, as, as upset and freaking out over all the mess that's going on. We're just like the rest of the world. So there's no saltiness to us anymore. Jesus says, you are salt. But you've got to be careful not to let the culture contaminate you to where you no longer taste like salt. Where you no longer influence the people around you for the kingdom of God. Where your attitude is no different than anybody else's. Your, your purpose, your pursuits, your joys, the things that make you happy, the things that you invest your life in, those things are so much like the world, you are tasteless spiritually. You've been saved, you've been saved and called and equipped to be salt. That's who you are. But we've got to be careful. Because if, if the salt, if our witness becomes so tasteless, it's not useful for anything 
except to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. You want to know why the church has so little influence in the world today? You want to know why the, 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 the world views the church with such disdain and contempt? It's not because we're, we're bastions of light and truth. It's not that we are speaking the truth and we're standing on the truth and we're living the truth. That's not their problem. The problem is, is we say one thing and we do the other. We become so tasteless, we call ourselves salt, we call ourselves Christians, but they can't see a difference in us and any of their lost friends who don't care anything about God or anything about church. The only difference is, is we show up to church every once in a while. That's why the church is being trodden down by man. That's why the church has no influence on our culture. It's not the, it's not the word of God, it's the problem. It's that the church has lost its saltiness, its distinctiveness. Single folks in a church sleep around just like single folks that don't care anything about God. There's just as much divorce in the church as there is outside the church. There, there's just as much abuse in the church as there is outside the church. There's just as much anger and fighting in the church is their eyes outside the church. We have lost our distinctiveness. We've lost our taste, our flavor. We've lost our saltiness. Because we've been so contaminated by the things of this world, the pursuits of this world, the joys, the hopes, the fulfillments of this world, we've lost our way. And we're contaminated by the culture rather than influencing the culture for the kingdom. And he uses a, a second illustration. He says, you are the light of the world. We're salt. We're supposed to bring flavor. We're supposed to enhance the things around us. We're, to, we're to supposed to be distinctively different. And everybody that, that is around us should know that. But we're also called to be light. Light is the, the opposite of darkness. Light is the only thing that pushes away the darkness. Light is, is something that, that brings comfort. Light is something that brings hope. Light is something that brings peace. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, we ran around all over the woods of Perry County. I mean, we could go anywhere within two or three square miles. And we could roam the woods, we could hunt, we could just knock around, we could do all the things we wanted to. And, and I loved it. But what I hated was when we stayed out there too long. And we start heading home, and it gets dark. All I was going to tell you, as a 12, 13-year-old kid, you don't think about taking a flashlight when you leave in the morning. You're just going. And man, it would get dark. And I knew those woods like the back of my hand. My, my cousins would be with me. My brother would be with me. We'd be four or five of us walking through the woods at dark. And then it just keep getting darker and darker and darker. And I'm just going to tell you, it scared me to death. And I thought I'd outgrown that. But then I went hunting back a few years ago and shot a deer with my bow and I had to track it. It was right at dusk dark when I shot the deer and I tracked it, and I tracked it, and I tracked it, and I tracked it. And, mm, I forgot my backpack at the stand that had my flashlight in it. And I was 40 years old, and it got dark in the woods. 
I got scared. I was uncomfortable. I didn't like the fact that I was out here in the darkness and everything I heard was the boogeyman. I'm 40 years old. I'm supposed to be past that. But you know, darkness produces fear and anxiety. It's not a place where you're comfortable. It's just, it's a struggle. It's depressive. It's, it's just, a, it makes you feel bad when you're stuck in the dark. We're to be light in the darkness. But, Jesus says, we've got to be careful. We are the light of the world, but we have to be careful that our light isn't blocked out. Notice what he says. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. We're saved so that everybody should know that we're, we're radically different. Everybody who sees us should see the light of Jesus Christ in our life. It's not that we produce the light. It's not that we manufacture the light. We simply reflect the light of God that dwells in us. Just like the moon doesn't produce any light of itself, it reflects the light of the sun. That's the light like we are. And in the night, man, a big full moon, it's really comforting when that's the only light you have. And you can see it pushes away the darkness, but it's just simply reflecting the light of the sun. Well, we're the light of the world, and we're supposed to bring comfort. We're supposed to bring hope. We're supposed to bring joy. And we're supposed to reflect the light of God that dwells in us. We're to let our light shine before men. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. There's no such thing as closet Christians. There's no such thing as undercover Christianity. There's no such thing as, as you know, I'm, I'm saved, and, but, but, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to be a good person. And I'm not, I'm not going to advertise, you know. You don't talk about politics or religion. Bull. We're saved to be the light of the world. We're saved to bring the hope of God to a hopeless culture. We're to bring the peace of God to, to a a, a hate-filled culture. We are to be the light of the world. We are the light of the world. And we're supposed to shine and supposed to be known and supposed to be seen just like a city setting up on a hill for miles and miles away. People should be able to recognize there's something different about them. They've got a hope, a peace, a joy, purpose, Something in them that I can see. I may not know what it is, but I can see it. He says, You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a bushel basket. Now, how do you, how do you block out light? How, do you, how does light lose its effectiveness? It's not that we lose the light. says We are the light. We don't lose our salvation. So how do we, how do we become ineffective as, as, as lights of the world? Well, just like the moon. When can you not see the moon? Does the light go out on the moon? Does the sun quit shining on the other side of the world? No. Something gets between, the earth gets between the sun and the moon and blocks out the light. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. Look, you're saved. You are the light of the world. But the problem is there's sometimes there's things that get between you and the light that you're reflecting. It's called sin. When we let sin 
into our lives and we embrace sin and we, we quit repenting of sin and turning away from it, we let the culture influence how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to think and what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to pursue. And, and that becomes a, a blinder to where we're no longer able to reflect the light that's in us. It's just like we're put under a bushel basket. It's just like we, we're, we've been pushed into a closet. And, and we, don't, we don't want people to see the light anymore. We just want to live life to the fullest here. We want to go for the gusto. We want to pursue our own desires. We want to live for our own selves. And the sin of our life blocks out the, the light of Jesus that's within us. He says, but this is not how we're supposed to live. We're to live where, where the light is put on a lamp and it gives light to all who are in the house. Just like we're supposed to bring flavor and, and difference through as being the salt of the earth, the light of the world, we should share the light of Christ, the hope of the gospel with everyone. Everybody should be able to experience the, the truth, the love, the grace, the mercy of Jesus Christ through our lives. But the problem is, again, we've become so like the world and we bought into our culture. We bought into this, this idea that we're, we're to live and get the most we can out of this life. We're to be happy. That's all God wants to be is be happy. And we're just to, to live like we want to live, to be our own boss and pursue the things we want to pursue and just come to church every once in a while. Don't talk about religion. Don't want to offend anybody. Jesus says that's not what you're saved for. You are saved to be salt and light. We're to stand on the truth of God's word. We're to live out the truth of God's word. We're to be radically different. We're, we're to look at the situation of our country in a different light. We're to look at, at, at the, the, the things that are going on in our world and in our community and in our family. We're to see things differently. We're to hope for things differently. Because we are salt and light. Because we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us. We're to be radically different. So he tells us how we're supposed to live. He says, you're the salt, you're the light of the world. But be careful. If you're not careful, you'll let culture influence you. It'll contaminate you. It'll blot out your witness. And you'll be ineffective. He says, but rather, let your light shine before men. In such a way that they'll see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. So he qualifies, we are to do good works. I'm just going to tell you, most everybody wants to do good things, right? I mean, even people that don't know God, man, they'll, people give away millions of dollars to charity. They'll do all kinds of things to help people. And they want to do good works. Jesus qualifies here the types of works that we're supposed to do and the way in which we do it doesn't get us a pat on the back. It's not so that people will think we're good. It's not so that people will, will uh, want to be around us. It's so that we are to do our good works in such a way. There's a way we do it that points to God, not to me. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works. We are to do good works. Ephesians 2, verse 10. It's a great verse that goes right along with this. It says that we are His workmanship, God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. 
We're salt and light because we're in Christ Jesus. God created us. God transformed us into salt and light. For good works. You are saved for good works. You are saved to live differently. You are saved to impact your culture. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. So who's determined what good works we're supposed to be doing? Is it us? Well, this is what I like to do. This is what I want. This is what I feel comfortable doing. No, God is the one who determines what works we're supposed to be doing. Scripture tells us how we're supposed to live. Jesus is going to be talking about here in just a few uh, verses later. He's going to continue on talking about the practical impact we're supposed to have on our culture. The ways that we're supposed to do these good works that God ordained beforehand. So I'm not the one who determines what the good works I'm supposed to be doing. God does. He's already ordained the works that we as the church are supposed to be doing. So we're the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Not so that they would be ideals out there somewhere that maybe one day I'll get good enough to do these good works. Maybe one day. No, we're supposed to live in these good works. We're supposed to walk in these good works every day. It's supposed to be the normal habit, the normal characteristic of our life is to do the good works of God in the community, in our family, in our relationships, to live radically different, to be salt and light. That is supposed to be the normal behavior of a Christian. So he tells them, these are the attitudes you're supposed to have. And the reason is because you are salt and light. You are to make an impact in the culture around you. You are to impact the kingdom of God around you. You are to, to, to live your life in such a way that people see the good things you do because they're so radically different and they glorify God and see that he is real and he makes a difference in our lives and the gospel becomes believable because we're living the gospel every day. And more people go to heaven and fewer people go to hell because we're here. That's why we are saved. You and I are salt and light. It's not something we develop. It's something that we've been given in Christ Jesus. When we believe the gospel and we surrender our hearts and our lives, we repent of our sin and turn towards God and submit ourselves to his authority, then we are salt and light. He makes us. We're his workmanship in Christ Jesus. And we're saved to be radically different. We're saved to impact the culture. We're saved to be salt and light. But we've got to guard our hearts and our minds. We've got to be careful that we don't let the culture contaminate us. We've got to be careful that we don't, we don't just say, well, you know, grace covers all of it, so everything's legal, everything's okay for me. I don't have to worry about this. I can just do what I want to, and I'm saved, so it's all good. No. We're to be salt and light. We're to make an impact for the kingdom. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ, it begins with the gospel. The gospel is this. We are sinners, hopelessly headed to hell. Nothing good within us that makes us worthy of being saved. But the good news is that for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him surrenders their heart, submits themselves to his authority, repents of their sin, 
will not perish but have everlasting life. If you're here today and you're just trying to be good enough, I'm just going to tell you, you can't. Every good thing you do is contaminated by your sin. It makes it unworthy for God. Church, are you salty? Are you gotten kind of tasteless? Are you the light of the world? Is everybody around you experiencing the glow and the warmth and the hope and the peace that the light of Christ brings? Or have we gotten so contaminated by the culture, so overcome by our own wants and desires that the light of Christ no longer shines and people can't tell the difference between you and their friends that don't care anything about God. Church, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That's why you were saved. And when we get off out here and, and we get lost in our own pursuits, we waste the death of Jesus Christ. We waste every opportunity that we're given to make a difference. And one day we're going to have to stand before God and give an account. doesn't mean we've lost our salvation. It just means we're going to stand before the creator of the world, the savior of our soul. And he's going to ask, what did you do with the time you had on earth? What difference for my kingdom did you make? How many people are in heaven today because you lived out the gospel? I'm just going to tell you, it's a scary thought. But it can be a glorious thought. We remember our purpose. We live in light of the gospel. And we impact the culture rather than let the culture impact us. Let's live different and see what God will do. Let's stand.